Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and chair of the family law group at Mills and Mills LLP. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, I'm excited to have as my guest, Tracy Poisner, and we're going to be discussing the really important topic of dads and co-parenting. So a lot of uh, my podcasts talk about moms and women and and moms roles and things, but today we're going to focus a little bit more on dads. Tracy is a life coach and parenting strategist who works exclusively with divorced dads, which I find really interesting. And I'm looking forward to chatting about that aspect of things. Uh, Tracy believes that dads too often get the short end of the stick when it comes to sharing, sharing the parenting time after divorce. And she's passionate about helping kids who are being weaponized in the emotional fallout of a family breakup. She guides repartnered dads and their new spouses to help everyone adjust to the new family dynamic with her own podcast, Essential Stepmom. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Tracy. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So why don't you start by just telling my listeners a little bit about your own background and how you came to be doing the work that you do. I have been uh for almost 25 years, um, a consultant, I guess you would say, in the health and wellness space as a natural health practitioner. And I'm also 15 years in to a, a second marriage, both for myself and my and my husband. So I'm a stepmom. I'm also a mother. I, I was a mother and I've been a divorced mom and a single mom. And I've I've kind of been the gamut. Now I'm remarried mom. I didn't have so much drama around my divorce. I mean, it was super difficult, of course, but in terms of raising our daughter, there was not a lot of a lot of heavy conflict around that. She lived with me. She visited lots with her dad. He was very present in her life. And it it was relatively smooth uh, compared to with what I know that other people <laughs> go through. In my husband's case, there was really a tremendous amount of high conflict. And I've been, like I said, I've been with him now for about 15 years. His kids were pretty little when we, um, when we met and got together. I watched him navigate and I helped him navigate things like parental alienation, long distance parenting, mental health issues, financial issues, legal issues, and finally having his kids here with us full time. I really used so much of my training, so much of my homeopathy training and, you know, human psychology and childhood development and family dynamics. I had so much training in all of that. And I really needed all of it to help (laughs) me and to help us get through this situation. And at a certain moment, I thought, what do people do who don't have that? Like, how does anyone manage? So about four years ago, I, I just said, I need to do something. I need to share in some way what I've learned and the knowledge and the skills that I've accumulated. So I just went out, you know, into social media, onto Facebook, looking for like, where do people talk about these things? And my initial interest was in working with stepmoms. And I felt like I had kind of, you know, after after 10 years of hard work, I felt like I really had sort of, we'd come through the worst of it. You know, we'd really, I, I said, I used to say that I felt like I was standing in the light at the end of the tunnel and I wanted to shine it back over my shoulder and say like this way, you know? <laughs> 
And so I worked for a couple of years with stepmoms, but the more I worked with them, the more I got to understand that the there was a problem in their families that they would never be able to solve because it really belongs to their partner, to their husband, their boyfriend, their fiance. It's these are his kids. This is his ex-wife and this is his drama. I felt like the dads were really sort of sailing without a rudder that they, I I was recognizing some very typical struggles that the dads were having in terms of parenting their kids in this post-divorce family dynamic. So I decided to just shift my focus and work with them. And it's been really rewarding. Like I'm really surprised how interested they are and how much they are coming forward to, to get help. That's great. Because I, you know, just, I know in my own experience, I think dads are often there just seems to be less support out there for them. I think it's great that you're, you know, in that space, providing that type of, of support. At the beginning, when I was you know, reading your bio, um, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned is that you think that dads get the short end of the stick. So you may have some moms who strongly disagree with you on that. I don't know. For sure. Um, <laughs> I can think of a few that, I, that I've dealt with that I'm sure would. But what, so why do you think that? There are these sort of societal stereotypes that we have. And first, I, I want to say I completely agree. I mean, I know that there are, you know, two sides to every story. And there are a lot of moms who, who really suffer in the divorce process and who really get, get bullied. But my experience has been that the dads are suffering from a kind of societal stereotype, you know, like a divorced dad is by default a deadbeat dad. That's what everyone expects to see in some way that this dad is either abandoning his family in some way, financially or emotionally or whatever. Whereas a single mom is the default is that she's kind of a saintly person in some way. She's doing this hard work of raising these kids on her own without, without the help of her partner who has supposedly, you know, gone off and abandoned the family. That's a dads find they have to work against that expectation to a to a large degree. And then we have the stepmom character, like the new partner of this dad is automatically understood to be the woman who broke up this the dad's marriage with the single mom. Like you have to fight against that. You are assumed to be somehow responsible for the breakup of that family. Whereas the stepdad is the kind of hero who steps in to help this wonderful single mom raise her kids. And he's a kind of hero. And we see this in, you know, TV commercials and stuff like that, which it's beautiful that they make these heartwarming TV commercials about stepdad. I think it's great, but you don't see that kind of heartwarming message around the stepmom no, it's always the evil stepmom or the wicked, the wicked stepmother. I mean, right back to Cinderella and, you know, right. all of those things. We yeah. have that stereotype. Now, one of the things, I mean, I don't disagree, like, I don't disagree with anything you just said. And one of my pet peeves that, that I find with some of the, you know, people that come to talk to me is I find a lot of moms at times think that, you know, especially if they were at home or at home when the children were younger, or, you know, they felt during the course of the marriage, they were the ones having primary care of the children. You know, they seem to feel that the children sometimes are almost like their property. 
and they can decide when dad gets to see them and when dad doesn't get to see them right. and that they can dictate, you know, they're, they're in all charge of that and it shouldn't be a joint decision. And I find that, I find that very frustrating when I ha- I'm working with people who are women who are in that mindset. And I find that that's very common. Right. Uh, I agree with you completely. I think that there's a, uh, this is where I, I just love what I've, what I've learned about childhood development and family dynamics, because there's a misunderstanding about what children actually need. And I think that any kind of restricting access to, to a, a person's father who has, who has something some, I, I call it codes, you know, he's holding codes that these children need for their development. And yeah. restricting that access to that is a little bit like saying, I'm going to, you know, restrict how much food or how much oxygen my children get, because that will be a great punishment for their father to see them suffering. Like, what kind of nonsense is that? People, they don't think that they're, they don't think they're doing that. They think that because they have so much animosity towards this man, for however, what the, whatever the reasons of the, you know, the breakup of their marriage, there's a lot of animosity and they want to be supported in that by their children. So they don't see it as creating suffering for the children, but, but they really are. And I think that there's the way I look at it, mothers, you know, there's in psychology, we, we talk about the mother function and the father function. And we're not really talking about the woman and the man, or even the mother and the father, because both parents can participate in both functions. But the mother function, it, in an overall sense, has to do with holding the children close, with pulling them towards her, with keeping them nearby. The nurturing so, as well. The nurturing and the yeah. closeness and the embrace and the this, the small circle of experience that's around the family and the home, that is the mother's terrain. So mothers are always going to have a hard time letting go of their kids. And when that happens prematurely, like before they are entering adulthood, it's, it's doubly, triply, 10 times harder for a woman to let go in some way. So part of it is just a reaction to her own natural need to hold her children close and not want them, you know, outside of her little circle. Whereas the father function is about ejecting, not ejecting maybe, but about propelling the children out of the nest and into the world. That's his job. And so as kids get older, they need more and more of that. They need more and more of this father function that's about preparing them for adulthood. And about about sort of pushing them off the diving board and into the swimming pool, you know, it's about making them go out and experience risk and uh, challenge and developing skills like, you know, competitiveness and going after excellence. Those are father function things. And as kids get older, they need more and more of that. It's not like the mother is ever going to, you know, become irrelevant. Like at some point you don't need your mother at all anymore. That never happens, but there's definitely a sliding scale of needing more of dad as you get older. And that's another part of why I only work with dads in this, in this scenario. And I, maybe it's like a total cop-out on my part, 
But I think that nature is supporting the dad in this situation. I would like to support the children in getting what they need, because let's face it, there are you know, 50% of families now are in this kind of situation. Before kids turn 18, 50% of children are going to experience this rupture of their nuclear family. And to some extent, those kids are being a little bit unparented if they don't get everything that they need from their dad. And that doesn't bode well for society that we're, we're raising generation after generation of, of unparented people. Yeah, no. And I mean, one of the, the biggest arguments that I see that, you know, mothers and their lawyers use when they're trying to restrict dad's parenting time, you know, is that they always go on and on about consistency and how, you know, it's so it's important for the consistency of the child that they're in mom's home and they only see dad, you know, every Wednesday and every second weekend, which is such an old model parent paradigm mm -hmm. for, for parenting. But there's still lots of mothers out there who want that schedule, despite that, you know, there's, if a dad's OK with it and if there's reasons that that, you know, due to other circumstances that that works, then, hey, that's the schedule to have. But, you know, you see, I see lots of situations where dad wants wants, you know, an equal parenting time. And mom's big argument is all about the consistency for the child and the stability. And, you know, my response to that always is that, you know, the, when a family ruptures and there's a breakdown in a relationship between mom and dad, you know, there's always going to be sacrifices made on different ends. And there's a balancing of what's important, what's most important and what's lesser important. And, you know, part of that balancing is that it's, it's important that they have as much time with each parent as possible. And so maybe the, the sacrifice for that or the con is that there is a little less consistency. I mean, I know like I'm a, I'm divorced and for my children were one and a half and three and a half when we split up. So for most of my children's lives, they've gone between homes. And would I like to have to, you know, for, for one point when they were younger, it was a two, two, three schedule. Then they got older and we did the week about, but would I like to have to change homes every couple of days or every week? No, that would not be ideal for me. Would I No, but you know what? Like the, the time they're getting in, in the home of mom and in the home of dad is far more important than the this, this transition and the disruption, you know, the temporary few hours that they'd come home from being at dad's or come back to dad after being at mom's, the temporary few hours where they were out of sorts a little bit because of transition and adjusting, that's not a big deal in the grander scheme. But a lot of people don't understand that or agree with it necessarily. My answer to that would be, I agree with you 100%. And where the parents can agree to do that, the, the important part is the agreeing. <laughs> it, I think <laughs> the agreeing is more important than the actual physical time and space of it. I think that I think that dads can do an amazing job of parenting, even with every other weekend, as long as, you know, I would exchange the the attitude piece for the actual, you know, physical number of hours that the thing that is super difficult is where the mom is undermining the dad's mm. parenting authority. That's the part that doesn't work where, where the mom says, you don't have to listen to his rules when you go there, or I can't believe he's asking you to do that. That's so unreasonable. Or, you know, dad has a new wife. You don't have to talk to her. Like those are the really hard bits to overcome. And 
And I think that where, you know, you could easily make up for, I think, because I think you're right. Like, would you want to have all this back and forth in your life? You know, lots of kids don't want it. So how could we support the child and still have the dad being extremely present in their lives? Is mom restricting phone access or, you know, video call access? Is there a way for dad to do, you know, one or two after schools during the week in between when when he gets to have them? Does he have right of first refusal? Is mom hiring a babysitter when she goes out because she doesn't want them to be with dad? Like there are a lot of levels and a lot of details where things can be worked out. I think that a lot of dads go after 50-50. Okay, let's be, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I have dad clients who say, it just kills me not to wake up in the same house as my kids every day. Like I hate it. You know, they, yeah. they really, really want, to have that kind of closeness. But a lot of dads get sucked into the fight, you know, and they go into it with a certain understandable degree of ego where they feel kind of crushed if they don't get this 50-50. You know, there are some dads who get the 50-50 and then they didn't really understand that it was going to be like, like, how am I actually going to do this? Like I work yeah. from, you know, seven in the morning until 630 at night. And then I, whatever that often drives them to precipitously find a new wife and mother figure for their home, which leads to a lot of resentment because nobody should be coming into a new relationship with the idea in the back of her mind that maybe I'm just a babysitter and a housekeeper here. Yeah. So I, it does, it wouldn't, bother me theoretically that the kids have a more kind of stable feel in one place and more of a visiting feel in another place. As long as the dad is, you know, like he's on the school records to be called just for instance, or that he can make doctor's appointments. There are so many things that get restricted for dads in terms of their engagement and their involvement in their kids' lives. That, that's nonsense. Like that, that does not have to be happening. They should be full, full participants as parents in raising their children, irrespective of how many actual hours the child spends in their home. No, I, I agree with that. And I just want to go back for listeners, add the comment that because we're focusing on dads and co-parenting today, I, I don't want anyone to think that I don't think that there's dads out there who say bad things uh, about mom to the children and, and try and undermine mom with the children and tell them they don't have to listen to their mom. And like, there's definitely, you know, lots of that out there, you know, as well, but that's not the focus of today's, you know, podcast, right. but because we're focusing on dads, we're not, you know, by any way suggesting that dads are perfect no, no. and everything's always on mom. No, I, I get it. And I'll, you know, when I go online and I look into the, the parental alienation forums, it's overwhelmingly moms represented in those places. It's overwhelmingly moms who are having trouble with a biological dad who is keeping their kids away from them. Or, yeah. or at least those are the, you know, the, in terms of numbers, I would say it's probably 80% are women in those groups. So I understand very well that it's, uh, you know, there's not one, one gender um, has a monopoly on this kind of behavior. But because my personal experience is from the stepmom end, and because I didn't live this experience as a mother, 
I don't really feel that I have any authentic life experience to bring to any kind of solutions to bring to that problem because I didn't fight that fight. Yeah. So I'm really coming at this from the stepmother end of things and from the perspective of someone who was married to a dad who had these kind of issues. And so at least let me work in this little corner of the world where I know something about how that goes. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because, you know, I find even just through the legal process, when one of the parties repartners, often you can tell because there is a change at times in the dynamic. And some, and I, it's often because now there's another voice, you know, putting their two cents into everything for better yeah. or worse. Sometimes it, it can be helpful and other times it can be very unhelpful. You know, you, I know you, you work with dads who've repartnered. And so, so what are the, some of the issues that you see coming up that way? And, and what are some tips you have for, you know, men out there who, you know, might be dating or might be looking at repartnering and how they can do it in a way that's, you know, good for the healthy for their children. Yeah, I think the the first thing I would say is that you don't get to share the parenting of your children with a new spouse. Yeah, like, that's not how the world works. And a lot of guys have the feeling that, that there's going to be just like, they're going to recreate this family feeling only with a new actor in the role of mom and wife. And it doesn't go that way. Like the, you can't, it, children are not wired to have two mothers. I mean, human beings are not, we're not wired for that. So you, you get tremendous problems with loyalty binds and things like that coming up. Uh, but even just from the point of view that of what your children need, they need to be parented by you. They don't need to be parented by any kind of stranger who comes into their family. They don't accept it. It doesn't, there's nowhere for it to land inside. We don't have the hooks for that. It's not useful. It can be extremely useful to have another, another caring, supportive adult around. That's for sure. But I would say that, that men should assume that their new partner is going to take very much a backseat role and that they're going to identify as maybe an auntie, you know, an aunt in the family or as a coach or a fairy godmother or a camp counselor or someone to have fun with the kids, someone to maybe help dad with, you know, literally with household organization stuff, but not with the heavy lifting, not with disciplining, not with rules and consequences. Like that just cannot happen. It doesn't work. And it's important to know that second marriages with kids have a 70% failure rate. That's interesting. Like, this is not a joke. It's about 50% higher chance of divorce than in a first marriage. You have to take this seriously and understand that, that you can't just sort of jump into it and think that you're going you're gonna to share the load somehow with somebody else. So like the Brady Bunch, you know, I always remember growing up watching the Brady yeah. Bunch and everything and, was so perfect. Was perfect. And, <laughs> and you know what? In the Brady Bunch, so Mike Brady's wife had passed away. Yeah. And Carol Brady's husband, Carol Brady is divorced in the show. And you yeah. never even once hear a word about him. He's never no. around, he never shows up. There's no issues with money or with visiting. The girls don't seem to miss him. They never talk about him. He's just vaporized. <laughs> like yeah. It's not real life. And they have a live-in housekeeper. 
<laughs> yes. Who does all the laundry and the cooking. And it's another mom with an apron, you know, with a uniform on, like completely unrealistic situation. Life is not like that. But no. to speak to what you asked before about, you know, from the legal perspective of when someone new comes on the scene, I remember going with my husband to, you know, sort of hold his hand at his meetings with his lawyer around getting divorced. I can look back on it now and kind of laugh at myself. But at the time, I was the one who was like so full of righteous indignation, you know, and saying, well, like, I think you're not being, you know, aggressive enough. Like, how can she possibly write these kind of emails? And you can't let her, you know, get away with this. And wait, she wants to run away with the everything and the house and the kids. And, you know, you can't let that happen. I mean, I was really the one who was pouring a lot of fuel on the fire. It's great to be, you know, to be supportive, of course, because it's a very draining and emotionally difficult thing to deal with lawyers and go through divorce. It's great to have someone who supports you. But the role of your partner is not supposed to be to supply the righteous indignation that you mm. are somehow lacking, you know, like it's very often the new, the new partner who doesn't want to accept that dad is going to somehow roll over on stuff and say, well, okay, you know, for the sake of getting this done, let's just, you know, make it happen like this. So it's hard to see your partner being bullied or taken advantage of. For sure. So and, and, I can relate to, to being like, <laughs> you know, now I laugh, like I want to throw a bucket of water on my head of me from <laughs> years ago, you know? Yeah, no, because I find out as, the, as a lawyer, I hate that. I hate it when that, you know, new partner gets starts getting involved and starts adding, you know, fuel to the fire. And, right. you know, and then I've got it, you know, as the lawyer, I feel like I've got another level of accountability now to somebody who's not even a party to this at all, as far as I'm concerned. And they're the one questioning, you know, what I'm doing or what I've done. And, you know, You're and right. I know they're, that they're doing it, they're doing it out of a place of caring for their spouse. That's where it's coming from. But as they say, sometimes it's not always helpful. And I think, you know, it's important that people who repartnered work with people like yourself. I know I interviewed someone, Jamie Scrimger. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you, but I, yeah, yeah. I know Jamie for a while. And, you know, I think she's got always got a great message for step moms and how to, you know, their, what their role should be and whatnot. And I think that, that it is important that new partners, you know, understand you know, how did, how can they be, what's the best, most, most helpful way for them to be supportive? Exactly. And that's important because you, you want to be supportive, but a lot of, a lot of people are, are compelled to do things that for them, it feels supportive, but it's really just getting in the way. I, I recently um, was communicating with a woman who had done something fantastic for her husband, which was to compile, like she had been keeping track of all the things that he had been doing with his kids when they were visiting, and she had been taking all the photos. So she compiled an outstanding list of all the things that he had done with the school and the doctor's appointments he'd made and all the outings and the trips and things that he had done with his kids and all the photographs. And she sent that to the guardian who then presented it in court. And that was fantastic. Like that was something super useful that he doesn't have the time or the bandwidth or the even the creativity, let's say, to compile it. But that was useful information that moved his case forward. 
She didn't go to the legal meetings and berate his lawyer about what the strategy should be. There are ways to be helpful. And there are things you can do that are really may feel helpful to you, but really are just not. (laughs) That's for sure. If you were to give, you know, sort of one or two key pieces of advice to, you know, dads who are in situations where they feel like their time is being restricted or there's some, you know, gatekeeping tendencies going on by their mother by the mother of the children, what are just a couple pieces of advice you have for how they can best deal with that type of situation? I tell all of the people who listen to my podcast or my Facebook group clients I work with, I, I think that not enough people are taking advantage of the the co-parenting apps, the parent communication apps that exist for phone. I think that's invaluable. I think you have to make use of that if you're in a situation where like with or without a court order, the, you know, the rules seem to be changing week by week or whatever is happening. You know, the schedule is being changed without your consent. If it's that kind of environment, I think it's super important for everyone to be using an app so that all the communications are in one place so that changes to the schedule are, are being logged. And these apps of, as you know, very well are all sort of court ready court admissible documents in case it ever goes back to court. I think that as a dad, the thing that you have to demonstrate is how unfailingly reliable you are, how consistent you are, that kids are going to grow up and see for themselves. They're going to see the reality for themselves. And I can just share in in my personal situation my husband faced, you know, quite a lot of alienating behaviors. We were living three hours drive away from where his kids lived with their mom. So he had to go there to visit them on the weekends and not have a home there to bring them to. It was, it was really, really awkward for him. But over the years, they got to see him just being rock solid. And it, he was the same guy that showed up every weekend or who called every single day and no matter how much their mom was impressing on them that they didn't have to go with him or they didn't have to listen to him or whatever, you know, the reality of his presence was what really turned them around eventually. And they did eventually come to live with him. So it didn't, it didn't happen in a few weeks or months, but it's quite inevitable because that this is nature It's a natural law that children are looking more to their dads as they get older. And if you're just standing there sort of waving your flag or holding your placard or whatever, uh, and they know where to find you and they see with their own eyes that you are a consistent, reliable person, I think that's, that's worth gold right there. Yeah, I agree. I think that's great advice. Now, how can, if listeners would like to work with you, how can they find you? Well, I have a website called undeletabledad.com. I also have a podcast by that name too. So I, I've started a new podcast just for the dads, Undeletable Dad, and that's basically everywhere. You can find it where, where the podcasts live. Uh, my email is tracy at undeletabledad.com. So anyone is welcome to get in touch with me. I do uh, offer a six-month one-to-one coaching situation. It's really 
I, I think it's important to work in a very comprehensive way. So it's not, we're not sort of putting out fires or putting little band-aids on. We're really, I'm really working on transforming the dad into the kind of magnetic leader who will be a, the, you know, kind of the essence of fatherhood for his children. I talk about striking the tone of fatherhood. I think that's what, that's what we're really getting at. Um, getting back in touch with what you have to contribute, with what your value is. I think that's something that really, divorce really sucks the self-esteem, I think, out of a yeah. lot of people, both men and women. But from the, from the perspective of dads, I think they get knocked off their parenting pedestal through the, through the process of divorce. And it's really important for them to recapture that in order to overcome this kind of ongoing high conflict landscape that so many, so many families find themselves in. That's why I need, I need six months to work on that, but that's what we do. And I, I have some courses that are smaller length of time, but that's it. Undeletabledad.com. That's where you'll and find I'll me. Put, and I was gonna say, I'll put the link when I post your podcast as well. So listeners can also find it there. So thank you so much, Tracy. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I think this is a great topic. So thank you for sharing your, uh, your knowledge here. Well, thank you for inviting me. This was great. And thank you to my listeners. Please tune in each week. Please like, subscribe, review, and join me here again next week. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits mm -hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to, you have, to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.